Couple things before we get started today. Uh, I wanna give you an update on Pastor Jason, and then I wanna talk about how God is moving in the life of our church. So if you got Pastor Jason's video this week, he smiled through the pain of his hip impingement. He wants you to know he's doing so much better. So, yeah. Thank you for uh, your prayers for him. Uh, it's been very painful. And he was fully expecting to come and preach this weekend, sitting in a chair. Uh, however, he got the flu earlier this week. I know, I know, the hits keep coming. So uh, please continue to pray for him. Uh, this crushes him not being with God's people. He loves you so much and he misses being here. The second thing, uh, if you have been around for the last month or so, you know God is moving and building his church. Last weekend was the largest attended weekend in the history of Revolution Church. Woo! Almost 3,300 people. Uh, at this particular gathering in Canton, we had two overflow spaces going. We've never used overflow on a regular Sunday. And if you watch Pastor Jason's video, he talked about it being the largest Easter we've ever had, the largest Christmas. There, there were actually more people at Christmas than Easter. So one of the things we're asking people to do is if you live closer to Jasper than Canton, attend the Jasper campus. Our team members in Jasper will love you and welcome you. So if you can do that, that would be great. The other thing we've asked people to do is if normally you attend the 9.30 gathering, consider moving your family to Thursday night. We have a Thursday night gathering at seven o'clock and over a hundred more people came on Thursday night this week than last week. So uh, thank you for doing that. Why are we asking? Is it because we're full? No, God is bringing new people to revolution. God is bringing people who maybe have never been to church. So we're asking that you sacrifice a seat. So if you can come on Thursday so that someone can sit in your sacrifice, that would be incredible. We do have a little bit of room at 11.30 and that's why we moved the 11.15 the gathering to 11.30. So just wanted to give you an update and share what God is doing. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We are amazed at what you're doing in the life of your church. And we know, Lord, that you are building your church. We just wanna be obedient and do what you have called us to do. We thank you for Pastor Jason, and we know, Lord, that this has been hard for him uh, to not be here, to not be amongst the gathering of your people. So we lift him up and ask that you would heal him, that you would free him from any pain from his hip impingement, that you would heal his body from the after effects of the flu and that you would bring him quickly back here. We love you and we praise you. We ask, Lord, that you bless our time today, that you give me words that bring life to your people, that you give me words, Lord, that are helpful and that are encouraging, in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. So here we are, it is the end of week one. How are you doing? Okay, all right, let me encourage you, no matter where you are in this fast, 
you're doing great. You're, do, you're welcome. You're, you're, it's, it's not a contest. It's not a contest. If the person next to you just told you that they had memorized the entire Bible this week and the only thing that they're eating is warm bath water, <laughs> don't fall don't fall for the trap, the comparison trap that the enemy will lay out for you. You're doing great. That said, let's have a real conversation. How you doing? By applause. Who has already given up? Okay, all right, a few of you. That's, hey, it's real. If you can't be real in church, I don't know where you can't be real. By applause, who has thought about giving up? Yes, yes. And by applause, who has no idea what we're talking about because it is your first time here. You're like, what is going on at Revolution Church? Uh, we're starting, we're in the middle, actually, of our 21 days of prayer and fasting. It is a time that we set apart to seek God, take things out of our lives that maybe we crave. We're asking for you to take something out of your life food-wise and also social media. But this is not about perfection. It isn't. I, I shared last year my great fasting fail of 2023. Uh, I was on the Daniel fast. Anybody on the Daniel fast? Anybody ever heard of Daniel? Okay, we'll start. Hey, we'll start there. Okay, good. Yeah, just vegetables. The Daniel fast is just vegetables. And I was on this vegetable fast and my wife, Leanne, and I, we went to a Thai restaurant. I ordered the vegetable dish, and it came out covered in this golden brown pan-seared chicken. And I looked at my plate, and I looked at Leanna. I looked at my plate, and I said, who am I? <laughs> to argue with the sovereignty of God. And, and it was delicious. <laughs> and then I got right back on it. So this is not about perfection. Don't give up. If you missed a day of Bible reading, don't give up. The fast is not over if you used a blue pen instead of a black pen in your journal. I, I get that. I get, I get very, I, I like a black pen when I'm writing in my Bible and my journal, but sometimes I'll make a mistake. It'll be a blue pen. The fast isn't over. So I wanna be clear as we start this, that this fasting is not about perfection. It's about seeking the one who is perfect. And that's a point up on the screen. I'll read it again. The season of fasting, the purpose of the fast is not perfection, but spending time with the one who is perfect. And it's hard. It's hard. Have you found that fasting's hard? Yeah, it's not supposed to be easy. That's why Pastor Jason, in week one of the fast, said, hey, up the game from last year. Whatever you fasted from last year, up the game. So I, it's not like I said, oh, I'm fasting from cilantro, which you may or may not know I hate. It's, it's from the devil. And so it would have been easy for me to fast from cilantro, but, but that's, that's not the purpose of this. The purpose is to press into creating some new rhythms in our lives, some structures, some trellises. If you were here for week one, Pastor Jason talked about creating structures, 
the trellises that allow us to stay connected to the vine. And who is the vine? Jesus, excellent. We're gonna start right there. How about the social media? How about social, have, have you enjoyed not being on social media? Three of you, okay. <laughs> uh, I, I, think, I think this will point you to where our hearts should be regarding social media. John Piper said one time, the purpose of social media we will find out on the last day is to remind us that prayerlessness had nothing to do with lack of time. Mm, how much time do we spend on social media? This is, this is a difficult thing. Fasting is hard, but it's not about checking off a box. Where are the to-doers here? Any to-doers? To-do listers? Yes, they all raise their right hand. Yes, it's me. <laughs> Check off that box, raise my hand. Got it. Ha has to-doing ever gotten you closer to Jesus? Have you ever felt this incredible connection because your list has been all checked off? No. No, it's rarely about relationship when it's box checking. And this season of abide, this abiding in Jesus, this staying connected to Jesus, by definition, is highly relational. So if it is highly relational, I want you to see this fast, even in the difficult moments, not as an opportunity to check off a box, but an opportunity to say yes to the invitation to be near to God. That's what this is. It is an invitation to spend time with him. Because let's face it, if we, if we come out of this, if we come out of the fast at the end of 21 days, whew, did it, didn't eat meat, read the abide guide every day, and we did not have connection with the Lord, if we did not have any time with Jesus, we missed it. So we're gonna talk about the relational aspect of fasting the relational aspect of the spiritual disciplines, these structures, these trellises that we put into our lives to help us remain connected to the vine, remain connected to Jesus. But don't we overcomplicate it? We're a bunch of overcomplicators. Now let's think about what we've asked you to do in these spiritual disciplines. Bible reading, journaling, fasting, and praying. But we can overcomplicate those things. Gotta do this, gotta do that, gotta have my Bible reading plan. If I miss a day, it's over. But really, if you get rid of the overcomplication of this, we're asking you to see what God says. If, if you're ever wondering how do you hear from God, it's right here. He wrote this. This is his inspired word. So we can open this up and say, what does God say? And then we're asking you to write, write some stuff down. What's he saying to you? Write down how you're feeling that day. Write down what God is doing in your life. And then we're asking you to take something out of your life that maybe you're craving, and when you're craving that, spend some time with God, talk to him, and that's what prayer is. 
It's a conversation with them. So, so instead of overcomplicating it, think of it that way. Maybe you fasted before. You did everything right. You read your abide guide. You did your Bible reading plan. You made it through the fast without doing the thing that you didn't wanna do. And you came out of the fast no closer to God than what you went into the fast with. Maybe it's time for that subtle shift in your mind. And it just takes a subtle shift to accept this as an invitation to spend time with him. So let me ask you, have you had a conversation with God this week? Has anybody had a conversation with God? Yeah. Have you talked to him? I want you to do something with me today. We're gonna spend some time with God. So if you brought a Bible, open up your Bible to Psalm 139. If you didn't bring a Bible, all these verses are gonna be up on the screen. But we're gonna read a lot of verses, 18 verses, one through 18 in Psalm 139. And, and I want you to listen to what God is saying to you in these verses. I want you to listen for God's voice. We're gonna do this together. Oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. Everything, my words, my thoughts, my actions. You know when I sit down and when I rise up, you discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path, my, my way of life, and my lying down, my, my sleep, my dreams, and are acquainted in all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. I want you to feel God's presence, his hand on your shoulder, reassuring you, hey, I'm here. It's gonna be okay. The psalmist responds to what he just spoke he says, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is so high, I can't attain it. Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? He can't, we can't. There's no place that God can't hold you. There's no place that God can't comfort you. There's no place that God's word cannot encourage you. If I ascend to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. He uses the, the juxtapositioning of heaven and hell to say, hey, here are two polar opposites. God is there, God is there, and everywhere in between. If I take the wings in the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, what does that mean? He's talking about if I'm, if I'm there when the sun rises east of Israel, and I'm there in the Mediterranean when the sun sets at the end of the day, he's saying, even there your hand shall lead me 
and your right hand shall hold me. Think about his grip on you compared to your grip on him. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you, because he is light. Verse 13, for you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. If you were ever wondering where in Scripture it talks about life happening long before the foundation of the earth, long before there is ever conception, it is right here, and we are not ashamed to say it, there's your sign. The psalmist knows even before his mom was pregnant, that God was at work, God was creating, God was forming. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made, and that Hebrew word there for made is set apart. God is setting apart his People. He is making them holy. God was doing this, creating them in his image. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. So his entire soul. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my uninformed or unformed, I've heard it both ways. <laughs> My unformed substance, in your book were written every one of them. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there were none of them. So before I even had days, he wrote down every day. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them, if I would count them there are more than the sand, and when I awake, I am still with you. Whew. Wow. That's our God. So let's pause. What did you hear? How did you experience God in those verses? He knows you. He knows everything. Now, you may find that scary, but it's pretty awesome. And he's everywhere always. So he knows everything and he's everywhere always. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I have felt alone. This is the reminder that we are not. This is a reminder that when he seems distant or we think there's nobody there or God, what are you doing? I, I'm not hearing, he's there. He sees everything, he knows everything. He knows everything about you and he still loves you. He knows everything about me and he still loves me. And what does it all mean? He sees you. God sees you individually. That's amazing. 
A.W. Tozier, a 20th century theologian, calls it the nearness of God. John Owen from the 17th century, he calls it communion with God. But it's this truth that in God's omnipresence, we get him and we get his presence, and that is the highly relational aspect of abide. Don't miss this. The highly relational aspect of abide is not what we're fasting from. It's spending time with him in his presence. The word says abide. The Hebrew definition means dwell in. Romans 8 says, if we have Jesus, the Holy Spirit dwells in us. If we don't have Jesus, the Holy Spirit does not dwell in us. That is highly relational. That is very intimate to even think that the Lord of Lords, the God of Gods, the King of Kings would dwell in us. So in this fast, if there's not that relational aspect, it is just a diet, a long, hard, painful, fruitless diet. Not abiding, it's a dieting. Spiritual disciplines, these structures, they're for us, they're for our good, that way we may see God's goodness on display. It's just a, an easy way to say for God's glory. So these trellises, these structures that you're putting in your life right now, this Bible reading, this journaling, this fasting, this praying, in order to stay connected, the hope is that at the end of these 21 days, we just don't go back. We don't go back to our old rules. Remember, Pastor Chad said this, rules are good, because we all have rules. We had rules, and, and your rule may have been, I scroll for six hours a day. I compare myself to every person on Instagram. That, that may have been your rule. It's time for a new rule in your life. You don't have to do this. Season of abide is not an obligation. It's an invitation. To point up on the screen, the season of abide is not an obligation. It is an invitation. It is an invitation into the presence of God. I'm gonna tell you the story about the, the woman at the well from John chapter four. Thursday, I said, I'm gonna tell you the story about the woman in the well, <laughs> which is completely different, turns out. That's the, that's the horror movie, uh, The Ring, where she climbs out of the... It's a pretty good visual of her climbing out of the... Okay. You're welcome, I've given you nightmares, thank you. <laughs> so the Samaritan woman is at the well, it's midday, which is significant, and she's drawing water from the well. The reason midday is significant, because the Samaritan woman, or any woman, Jewish or Samaritan, they would go to the well in the morning. They would go with their buddies, they would hang out, they would talk to each other, they would encourage each other, and this woman, has no buddies. She's alone, so she has to go at midday. Here comes Jesus, who is Jewish, and if you know anything about Jewish people and Samaritan people, they did not get along. They would not have talked to each other, let alone a Jewish man talking to a Samaritan woman, but it's Jesus 
same God, he's God, same God we just read in Psalm 139, the one who knows everything, the one who is omnipresent. He knows everything about the Samaritan woman and he still invites her into his presence. He still invites her into this communion with him, knowing that she has had five husbands. Knowing her mess, he still says, I've got something greater. You can partake in this bucket of water, but I want you to partake in me. I want you to partake in this living water that will sustain you not just for a day, but for all eternity. He knew her whole life, but he was not repulsed by her. His arms were wide open. The invitation to his proximity and he has his arms wide open to us. It is Jesus's invitation in this season to be proximate to him. And notice, notice something. It had nothing to do with her performance. Nothing to do with what she did. It had everything to do with who he is. It's never about our performance. It's always about the presence and proximity of Jesus Christ. It's always about him. And what, how did she respond? How did the Samaritan woman leave? She went and told everybody, you're not gonna believe this, but there was this guy at the well who knows everything about me and he still loves me. There is a God today that knows everything about every single person watching online, gathered today in Jasper, in Canton, and he still loves us. He still died for us. That is the glory of the gospel. That is the truth, the amazing truth of the gospel that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us on a cross, a horrific death, painful, knowing who we are, knowing everything about us, omnipresent, everywhere, always. He not only died for our sins, the forgiveness of sin, but also for the penalty that we deserve. That should be us executed for our sins. But it was Jesus. And three days later, raised from the dead as God declares victory over death that we can abide in him now. If that does not fire you up, I don't know what will. That, that is worthy of the amen. We got one right over there. It starts with receiving this invitation, this holy invitation to dwell with him. Where does the word say the Holy Spirit dwells? In us, that's pretty proximate. If you're talking about proximity, in us is pretty proximate. Any more proximate, be on the other side. The power is in his spirit, and if the power dwells in us, the power, and here's another point, the power is in his proximity. The power is in his proximity. Because when you're choosing to accept his invitation, oh, this is, this is amazing. 
when you're choosing to accept his invitation to his proximity and his presence, you are choosing the good portion. You may have heard about the good portion. Good portion in Psalm 16, David says, you are my portion, you are my cup. Lord, you are my portion, you are my cup. Now the word portion in the Old Testament had everything to do with land allocation. So divvying up the family land. This is your inheritance, this plot of land. And what the psalmist is saying there is, hey, I get that, but my inheritance is in you. You are my portion. You are my allotment. Where else do we hear about the good portion? Luke chapter 10, story of Martha and Mary. Where's Martha? Martha's checking off some boxes. She's reading the abide guide probably. Fasting from wings or whatever the thing is you, you're fasting from. She's, she's writing some stuff down. She is getting some stuff done. But where do we find Mary? At the feet of Jesus. At the feet of Jesus in close proximity to the nearness of her Savior, abiding in Jesus, spending time with Jesus. And what does the word say? Mary chose the good what? The good portion. Mary chose her inheritance in him. That's the invitation that we have in these 21 days. Yes, the structures are there, the trellises are there, the, the rules are there, but they're, they're setting us up to receive the invitation to sit at the feet of Jesus. Are there people in your life you just like being around? No? <laughs> you should be looking at your spouse right now and nodding your head. If not, it's gonna be a long ride home. Well, check this, check this out. I don't know if you've ever thought of it this way. Jesus loves being around you. Jesus, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, loves being around you. We know that because he never would have gone to the cross and died that horrific death and then leave us. He's crazy about us. He wants to be proximate. He, he's not Jesus, Emmanuel, God down the street. He's not Jesus, Emmanuel, God in the vicinity of us. He's Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. And there is an intentionality that we must have to be with him. Mary had that intentionality as she sat at Jesus' feet. And you may be thinking, hey, if, if God's with us and the Holy Spirit dwells in me and he's omnipresent and he's always there, why do I have to be so intentional about being with him? That's a great question. 
Let me lay out a scenario that I'm sure has never happened to anybody in this room. You're, you're sitting on the couch with your spouse and they are telling you about their day. And they are going on and on and they are pouring out their heart and there are tears streaming down their face and you have been chosen by God to be their sacred container for their sacred confessions. You are the only person on the planet that God has reserved those confessions for. And at the end, when they say, what do you think about that? You look up from your phone because you've been busy making fantasy football trades, playing Pokemon Go, and you say, hmm? Yeah, you're a regular Arthur Blank making those trades. Sound familiar? Let's put it into context. Your spouse is with you, but you are not in their presence. See, abiding in Jesus, staying connected to him, having communion with him, receiving the invitation and accepting the invitation to his nearness has everything to do with the ministry of presence. It's a powerful ministry. We see it in Job. Job is grieving. His friends come over, and for seven days and seven nights, they sit with him. They hold his hand. It is the practice called sitting shiva. It is still done in Jewish culture today, where friends would come to the, the home of the bereaved and sit with those who mourn, sit with those who grieve and hold their hand, maybe not even saying anything, but being a ministry of presence for them as God is for us. And one of the byproducts, one of the fruits of abiding in Jesus, spending time in Jesus, is that we can then be present for others. A friend of mine this week shared something with me. He didn't know who to attribute it to, but I thought it was so good I wrote it down I'm gonna read it because I'll mess it up if I don't. Be present in the presence of God. So we have God wants to be with us, God with us. Be present in the presence of God so we can be fully present in the presence of others. Be present in the presence of God so we can be fully present in the presence of others. God invites us to this intentionality of being present with him. He invited Moses to come up to Mount Sinai. He said, hey, Moses, come on up here. Set a spell. Stay a while. He used the word, wait there. Wait there, Moses. Hebrew translation for that is be. God wanted Moses to spend some time with him. Be with me. Dare I say, be still and know that I am God. If there's ever a time that we can break out Psalm 46 and say with authority, this is what God wants us to do in this season of abide, it is right now, be still and know that I am God. That's the invitation. So here's the question, how you doing? How you doing with being still? Or has it been chaotic? 
How are you experiencing God? When you open up the abide guide, what are you saying? Are you just reading the verses, checking the box? Let me encourage you. Open up God's word, open up the abide guide and say, God, what do you want me to hear today? And how do you want me to respond? It's as simple as that. What do you want me to hear and how do you want me to respond? Because how we are experiencing God in that way is so much more important than any other conversation we will ever have as Christians. It's way more important than telling somebody, this is what I'm fasting from. It's way more important than telling somebody I'm hungry. How are you experiencing God in your hunger? And can I get on a very tiny soapbox? I know we're not on social media, but there is, on a regular basis, almost every day, someone posting, and this is a good post, I'm not, I'm not uh, dissing that, hey, just moved to the area, looking for a church. You ever see those posts? There's hundreds and hundreds of responses. People love their church. And, and many people from Revolution say, hey, come to Revolution. Preaching's great. Rev Kids is awesome. The worship is off the dial. I, I saw someone say that. <laughs> I'm just repeating what they said. But you know what I have never seen? And, and those are great responses. You should be proud of your church. Revolution Church is an easy church to invite people to because number one, they're gonna hear God's word preached. They are gonna hear God's word in song. Their kids are gonna learn about Jesus on their level. We're not dumbing it down for your kids, but we'll be on their level. What I've never seen in any of those posts, I've never seen somebody say, hey, come to my church, this is where I met God, my marriage was restored. I've never seen somebody post, come to my church, this is where I met God, he delivered me from the bondage of addiction. When we are spending time with Jesus, our conversations will be different. Our conversations will be, this is what God is doing in my life, I cannot wait to tell you. But it starts with accepting the invitation to be with him starts with the invitation to accept the the proximity of the good portion. Because our inheritance is not in what we're going back to on day 22. Now I am thinking about what I'm breaking the fast with. I don't know about you, I just want some eggs. <laughs> I, I, just, I just want some solid food, not too solid, not the first day. <laughs> but but if, if that's all we're thinking about, and we're not thinking about these trellises and these structures and these rules becoming our rule of life, our way of life moving forward, we're missing it because the proximity to God will lead to a different conversation both in our hearts and to others. And I guarantee you something. When you abide in Jesus, when we 
stay connected to the vine. When we spend time with Jesus, when we receive the invitation, his holy invitation to his nearness, we will begin to look different. And people at work and people at school and people in your neighborhood, they may not, they may not be able to pinpoint it, but what they're seeing is that woman's been with Jesus. That guy's been with Jesus. And you never know how God is gonna meet you. And you never know when he's going to meet you. One of the joys of this season of Abide are those journals. Those journals are for you to write some stuff down about what God is doing in your life. If you didn't get a journal, we have a few more out there. We ran out because there were so many people here last week. We have more coming in this week. So don't worry, you're gonna get a journal. Might be the end of the fast. <laughs> but journaling has been a, a big part of, of my life for now 16 years. I think there's, oh, there's some more. These aren't all of them, but this is a, a pretty good sampling of my journals since I trusted in Jesus in 2006. I am not showing you this to say anything other than I must be a hoarder. Um, no, <laughs> I, I'm, not, I'm, not bra I'm not a good journaler. I, I don't write well, I, I scribble some things, but what I'm able to do is to go back into these journals and see what God has been doing I'm able to go back into these journals and say, this is what I was asking God. This is the prayer that he answered. This is the prayer that he didn't answer because he's protecting me. So I'm gonna go back, tell you a quick story. From 2007, and I have journaled this, one of the few pages that is not redacted just in case it falls into the wrong hands. I think there was an episode of the Brady Bunch where Jan got a hold of Marsha's diary. <laughs> Don't want that happening. And this was eight months after I had trusted in Jesus, 10 months. And I was just reading about fasting. I was reading about the spiritual disciplines of fasting. And there's lots of different fasts. There's food fasts, there's media fasts, there's silence and solitude fast. So I chose, as a brand new believer, to do a food, silence, and solitude fast for three days. Yeah, it was a real good idea. And I rented a cabin in Central California. I was living in Los Angeles. I was doing combative sports talk radio. My life was just loud all the time, and I thought, I am gonna go spend some time with God. So I rented this cabin 15 miles from civilization. I don't know about you, but I am not outdoorsy. I'm outsidey. <laughs> but, but I'm not like Pastor Jason and Pastor Chad. They love sitting in a deer stand, covered in deer urine, just out there for hours. <laughs> I, that's not me. That's not me. So I get to this cabin, and I'm a new believer. I'm afraid about what God is doing in, the, in my life at that point because I don't know what my life is gonna look like. 
What does he have for me? And now I'm doubly afraid because I'm quite certain Freddy Krueger lives in the basement of this cabin and there are bears outside who are not fasting. <laughs> and, I, and I kid you not, it was two days of just being petrified. It was so loud. I heard every noise in the cabin, every noise outside the cabin. Second morning at about 4.30, I couldn't stand it anymore. It was just, it was driving me nuts. I ran outside. I got in my car and locked the doors. And over the course of the next hour, under these giant redwood trees, and if you've ever experienced giant redwoods, the canopy is hundreds of feet up. And daylight began to break at about 5.30, but it takes a while for the, for the daylight to come down to the forest floor. And I'm, I'm sitting in my car, afraid, and I remember that not long before that, I had read Isaiah 66, which I had preached on recently here. The earth is my footstool. Heaven is my throne. Who will build a house for me, says the Lord. All these things my hand has made. Same God from Psalm 139. And I can now hear some birds and I can see some critters, see some leaves. Sunlight gets to the floor of the forest. And I could clearly sense God saying, all these things my hand has made. Why are you afraid? I made you too. He made you. So wherever you are in your life, all these things his hand has made. Whatever season of life you're in, he is inviting you in to this holy invitation of his presence. You never know how or when God is gonna meet you because in the middle of my fear, he met me with his word. Jesus says his sheep hear his voice. I heard his voice that day. In this season of abide, in this season where it's not about perfection, are you hearing his voice? He speaks to us clearly in his word. But maybe you don't hear his voice because you're not his sheep yet. Maybe you haven't even accepted his invitation into his kingdom. So I wanna give that opportunity to you now as we pray so that you can abide in something stronger than yourself. So you can stay connected to the vine, so when you do build these trellises and these structures, 
there is God's presence and proximity in your life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, it is incredible that you invite us in all of our mess, in all of our sin, to sit with you, to dine with you, to be in your presence, to choose our inheritance in you. For anyone here or gathered online that has never done that, this is your opportunity. It's a short prayer. You can pray this with me, not out loud, but pray this to yourself, Heavenly Father. I am so exhausted from trying to do this on my own without your presence. I receive your invitation to your nearness. I receive your invitation to be proximate to you. I believe that Jesus did do what he said he did. Dying on a cross for my sins, taking the penalty that I deserve. And I believe that you raised him from the dead, declaring a victory over death so that I can abide in him. Will you save me today? This is the start of my life today, to abide in you. If that was you, I'm gonna ask that you do something bold because again, this season of abide is, is not about some perfection and everybody's eyes are closed, but would you please just raise your hand as high as you can get it and keep it raised? Thank you. Thank you. Keep it raised. Our prayer team is gonna bring you God's word, a Bible, so you can read it and hear what God is saying to you. For the rest of us, we now have an opportunity to not give up, to not grow weary, because in the end, we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. We have an opportunity to say, okay, maybe I did have a, a fasting fail, but I'm gonna shore up these trellises. I'm gonna shore up these structures. I'm gonna get right back on it because it is not about the boxes I've been checking it is about the one who is perfect, who I want to check in with. My encouragement would be over these next 14 days, spend time with him. Sit at his feet. Choose the good portion. Open up his word. Ask him, what are you saying to me? How do you want me to respond to you? Receive his love. Father, we thank you. We know that your plan for our lives is that we have this holy connection to you. So by the power of your spirit, not our strength, by the power of your spirit, Give us strength to remain, to stay connected, to abide.
love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.